There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Scarlett. And I'm Mim. And welcome back to Style Over Substance, the podcast. Mm -hmm. Today, we are going to be talking about the interview process for applying for jobs in fashion. Yep. Uh, we've already talked to you guys about the reasons we both are fashion. So if you haven't watched those episodes, definitely have a look at those. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we're sort of expanding a little bit on the fashion journey, working in fashion. Mm-hmm. And one of our really big pet peeves is the interview process in fashion. Yeah. And I think this like episode is going to be really insightful for those who are genuinely thinking about going into yeah. the fashion industry. Um, I don't know about you, but I mean, when we started in our careers, YouTube wasn't as it is now. It wasn't yeah. so much of a resource. But um, I think just even now, what we see of the fashion industry is through influencers and through the glamour of it. Yeah. And not like the back end of people being honest about their experience and what it entails. Fashion is also is always about like the illusion of things, as we've kind of touched on in previous episodes. Mm. So it's easy to make assumptions about what it would be like interviewing, getting the job, the pay, the yeah. all of that. So hopefully it's really helpful for everyone. Yeah, and I guess we're also taking it from a few different stances. Mm -hmm. So my stance has been from design base, whereas you have had sort of a a somewhat merchandising and buyer experience also. Yeah, exactly. And the first thing (laughs) that you mentioned earlier to me is that like, um, just because you're doing a fashion interview doesn't mean you're meant to dress fashionably. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, you would, that's the thing you like assume okay I want to like, show like my cool. fashion I want to show like my flair yeah, I want to yeah, show yeah. my style um, a no one cares, no um, one cares. can we, you do the job really yes. I know but it's I, also a professional environment envi- but also I have also had on the flip side where you kind of come smart and it's a super casual office well that's the thing like I think you have to treat it like a like a smart interview and then once you're in the job you can decide to dress yeah. down because I likewise with you where I worked last everyone my director was wearing hoodies and I was like and like new balances and I was like I don't think our head of design used to come up come in her pajamas that's disgusting (laughs) I know I bet they were clean but that's they might not have been she might have just rolled out of bed but like she came super like you know when you're like I'm gonna work in fashion and then it's like yeah and that's how we all dress (laughs) like everyone was super casual yeah um but even so, like, I don't think you really need to portray personality through your dress sense when you interview. Yeah. Just wear a shirt and wear, like, trousers. But then having said that, this was a while ago. So I don't know what it's like now because no. it's like a, gener- a different we're generation old. coming. <laughs> we're not that old. <laughs> it's like a different generation coming up through the, like, entry level ranks now. 
Yeah, and the business world is ever evolving. Yeah, sure. yeah. So I think I remember dressing in like smart trousers, a shirt, maybe like loafers or something, and then that was yeah, um, and yeah, that was my experience. But um, let's talk about like the number of interviews. So yeah, I mean, so for different scales and different levels, entry level for me, intern. Okay, I had one interview. And then any level above that, I had at least two. One interview, it's weird because to me, one interview feels like not enough to know the person. It's a free job. It's a free job. It's true. It's a free job. They <laughs> made me true. bring my portfolio. They they really like made it feel like, so like, who are you interested in fashion? Do you know how to pattern cut? Like, let me see your portfolio. Can you- okay, you can sketch, yes. Okay. I was getting people lunches. Yeah. I was running across town and picking up fabric rolls Mm. I did actually help with pattern cutting and all of that stuff but I mean it was a free job I think that's an internship is you're meant to be teaching someone something so if it felt like a heavy interview considering what my role involved did you have to prepare anything not for that interview no okay okay and then your next job thereafter you had two it's quite standard for most jobs I think two is quite standard for most jobs because also having now been on the other side where like I help with recruitment in the role that I'm currently in yeah shock I don't do anything to do with fashion yeah and you also need it for other people to meet the person so it's you realize actually okay we need it so that so and so meets you Mm -hmm. and also like we want to and I'm a big believer also that the interview process is a two-way street oh 100 percent. like i You're need to know them. how weird you guys are too i need to know like what you're offering me too um my favorite question to ask is like what is it that you enjoy about working here mm-hmm. like give me some hope that you enjoy <laughs> working here um but yeah i think i think two is kind of standard but it's maybe what the two involve Whereas, but I know you've got a record of more than two. <laughs> so, yeah, I will. If you listen to our previous episodes, I started in the fashion industry via the retail route. So shop floor. And I remember I remember only having one interview for those. And that was just standard, like being on the shop floor, being in the department Checking store. Polite. Yeah, like you, you come, <laughs> you like shower in the mornings, you smell okay. <laughs> <laughs> you turn clothes. up on time you turn you up know? on time for the interview um and just things like that and what's your general knowledge um <laughs> but then thereafter I think I had when I entered the office mm. oh hold on I kind of feel like I had a test somewhere in there but when like I went into the office and I went into allocation specifically I had two interviews one the first one I First of all, you meet like the recruiting manager in HR for a little bit. She gives you a little spiel. Then I met who would be my actual manager um, for the first interview. And then the second one, they called me back and I spoke to the, I think she was an associate director or director. Mm-hmm. She was basically my manager's boss. Um, it's quite intense. It was. And a bit unnecessary. Luckily, she was lovely. She yeah, was yeah, really yeah. nice. I really liked her. And it ended up being quite a, not a casual because no interview is casual, but it became because you're grateful to be working in fashion. Well, you want well, the job. No, but that's what they also like 
let on like I feel like the interviews considering it is quite like a relaxed environment somewhat like people turn up in jeans yeah the interviews feel quite intense yeah I think had it had it been any other personality in that second call I think or second interview I would have been like shitting bricks because it's a high level and I was going in like entry level wasn't I so but she was lovely and we had a really good chat general chit chat but then again it was like testing me on my like wider market analysis where the business sits <laughs> in with competitors and things like that so you still had to prepare um but then my final interview within the fashion industry I had three interviews <laughs> I had a project to do mm. and obviously there was work involved in preparing for that project but a lot and partly there was three because I interviewed for one role and then they decided no let's offer her a role that's a step up from that because Mm -hmm. we don't have enough staff so let's just let's just roll this role into another role and so I had to come back for a final interview to see if I could actually step up to that level yeah 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 I mean, it's wild, but should we talk about projects and yes. the kind of work that goes into into interviews? So I had never, ever known that that was a thing in an interview process. What projects? So, yeah. Because you went to uni. So didn't anyone prepare you to say you will have a portfolio? No. I had a portfolio. And that you I would thought have- my portfolio was the thing I didn't know that I would have to then do a project on top of my portfolio I thought that was the point of my portfolio yeah that's Um, a disservice though because like and this is a grievance that you can have with all kinds of uni courses but particularly you were prepared to have a portfolio mm. so I would have thought that they would at least give you and this is another point to make, but I would have thought that having the heads up that you would also have to prepare projects within your own time in addition to your portfolio yeah. for jobs would be like essential knowledge. And I think that when you have maybe um, staff or lecturers or tutors who haven't been in the industry for a long yeah. time or never actually reached the level that you ended up reaching, they don't really have a knowledge of what an actual interview process is like and therefore they can't impart that sort of knowledge onto you that's really true actually and even like the base level so before we even talk about a project and we Mm -hmm. just talk about portfolio you're meant to maintain your portfolio wherever you work oh okay so like build on so you're meant to build on it so obviously I went to university like and then they care about okay so what's your portfolio at that job so you're then meant to use like put what you've done at your current job into your portfolio okay and that takes a lot of time like you know you've got to condense it and also like obviously as time goes on like you still don't want it to be 10 pages so you've got to condense it you've got to show off all your skills in a few pages but like the reality is you Mm. don't do it as you go along like anything you like cram I don't update my cv as I go along I do it when I'm looking for a job yeah and so you when you're looking for a job you not only update your cv you then have to update your portfolio. And then if you're lucky enough to apply for a job and maybe get offered a second interview, you basically get asked to do a project. Mm -hmm. So for example, you had to update your portfolio. And to me, when I hear that, I think that in itself is a lot of work because you, 
not having to just like look back on all the work that you've done, but you need the resources to recreate that sort of project that you've done and then put into your portfolio. It's a case of like, okay, I've now got to go onto the company systems. We transfer myself. It's like files, clandestine. Which like, it's also kind of like somewhat frowned upon. Yeah. Even though like you've worked on it and it's a known fact you need a portfolio. But I'm like, we transferring myself all these files. 100%. It's like when you, pr- it's like when you're in the office and you print off personal things. Like, yeah, yeah. I need a oh form my God. for like. And then you're like straight away at the printer like. No one can see you're like, I printed off my flight details. Yeah. <laughs> can anyone see I've printed off this, you know, like. <laughs> completely non-work related thing that's bad enough but um so it 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 feels a little bit criminal and obviously it's not nice applying for a job in a current job but when when you say that I'm thinking that is it yes you did the work on that project but the design and the intellectual <coughs> property, because you did it working for them, it's using their resources, it's not yours. Yeah. It is their work and it's for them to sell so, freely. So the correct, but also there's the issue of sh- sharing. So you can okay. only share work on a collection that's been released. So also it's really tricky where say like you're working on a really big collection or certain things you want to show off but like oh that collection hasn't been revealed to the public yet so I physically can't show you but have you though in the past no I actually haven't like because like it's a I've always really cared where I've worked like and it is really risky isn't it you don't want that and yeah and they would probably know that too and then you don't want to seem that way but god like so yeah you've got to prepare stuff and from your current job then you've got to prepare a project for the new place in your spare time when you're working long hours, when you're spent, when you've already used all your creativity in your day-to-day job. Mm-hmm. You've got to be designing for another brand. And also every brand has a different aesthetic. Yeah, of course. So you've got you've got your head into a different headspace, into a different like kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um and Maybe I'm just not the, a natural designer to do that. I don't know, but that felt quite taxing. Of course. Um, yeah, it just felt really a lot. And so then to like go somewhere and you basically just give somewhere your ideas for free. We'll get into that. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Sorry, I've got a tickle because we're talking. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of work. It's really a lot of work. So what sort of projects had you been asked to do in the past? So I've only really experienced this twice. Um, one was a, pro- like, was a capsule collection. So that's not too many. Maybe it was like five to seven new styles. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, and included accessories, so that'd be key rings or small leather goods. Um, and then, yeah, obviously thinking about a colorway and that kind of thing. And that was the collection where they asked for physical mock-ups of them too. I think actually, I don't know if they set me a project immediately with that one. I think I might have had to come to the first one with a project. They might have given me some feedback and asked for mock-ups the next time. I can't remember now. But And so then, like, you get your hopes up, right? They've seen your designs. They've asked for a bit more, and then they ask for more. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was designing a collection, um, and a, they maybe will give you a theme. 
I know I chose like an art deco theme, which is like really up my street. And I'd already done loads of research on that. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't only how to apply it to accessories. It was like how it could be applied to other things. So like shoes, whatever. I've never drawn a shoe in my life. Um, And so like, and luckily at the time I I wasn't, I had been made redundant from my previous fashion job. And I was trying to get back into fashion and I was temping at some like pathetic office job mm-hmm. and I didn't have any work to do so I could do it in that time and so it meant I could do a really epic project yeah but had I not had that time mm. maybe I wouldn't have landed the job yeah because yeah you mentioned to me previously that luckily your temping job was I mean I was that you absolutely had, doing them over yeah yeah <laughs> like you were able to like use their time and resources to like dedicate fully to applying to this mm-hmm. other role um, in a normal circumstance, you would have had to do it evenings and weekends. Um, and, and they give already... you a short turnaround. It might be like two weeks, like yeah. a turnaround, because also they're, they're trying to hire, right? So they don't have um, like exactly unlimited time. Yeah, they want to bring someone in as soon as possible. So mm. you're having to like work on their time scale to make that happen. Um, yeah, and then when we like step back a bit and we consider the context of it how much they're paying you for those roles, mid-20s, I'm guessing, for, okay, two interviews, a project, possible mock-up. Let's think of a freelance rate, a freelance hourly rate. Freelance rate was better than what you would get paid. Mm-hmm. But even if that's it's £10 an hour, yeah, it's like I've just spent all this free time on you yeah. to get a job, like you said, that's not even really paying that well. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I'll reap the rewards once I get my job. Yeah, because, like, you have to remember that when you're in the interview also, you are also being asked questions that you've had to prepare for. Mm. So they're going to ask you off-the-cuff questions. Um, And that could be based on your experience or what you can bring to the role moving forward, you know, typical interview sort of questions. and that's insane when you think about the hours that you spent, what you would have been paid at a typical job or your mm. temping job for those hours. Um, and you, there's no guarantee you're going to get the job. No, there's no guarantee. And also, like, the issue with it as well mm-hmm. is just, like, you're essentially giving them, like, free ideas. And that's not just for design, right? So yeah. you've had to prepare, like business ideas maybe for people or you've had to do stuff so I haven't I did have the experience of preparing projects um but it wasn't design obviously Mm -hmm. so for example um I was given questions I can't remember exactly but it was a buying related job um so I was given questions about maybe competitors um it, oh, I can't remember if I did SWOT analysis, actually. But that's always something you have to do yeah. just for the sake of conversation in the interview. You have to be aware of who your competitors yeah, yeah. are and what they're doing and, like, what are we going to bring into the store so that we are able to capture that, mm. like, segment of the market. Um, and so, obviously, my questions and my project that I had to ultimately, like, present my results and my answers um, regarding it was like mathsy as well um and so yeah there was a lot of prep work and I 
I've mentioned this in our previous episode, but luckily at the current job that I had, I had a friend who was a buyer and she was nice enough to Mm. give me advice on what to write, what to mention, what to do, how to, how to structure my project. Because also that's the thing, right? You were then trying to go from essentially merchandising into buying and into like an entry-ish buying job. How are you meant to know it? Yeah, if you you've never experienced buying before, people don't. I did not come from uni or, but um, but uni didn't even prepare me. And it's, I think this is a big thing that we've talked about so much in our personal lives. Is like the uni and schooling needs to prepare you better for, for jobs. Yeah, not this Mother's Day. Celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Education jobs. Yeah. But like, how, like... There's no way of you knowing. And it feels really pressurized. If someone's telling you, like, what are our competitors doing? What's it's like, whoa, I'm 20. Like, like, what do you want from me? You're winging it. You yeah. are winging it completely. And, and I, you're telling that to somebody who's worked and lived and briefed the company for a while. Oh, my God. You know what? Imagine if they, like, recorded your interviews and then, like, five years later, oh. they play it back to you. And there's like little like 25-year-old you being like, oh, I think that um, Todd's shoes and um, they're doing like, they're capturing the segment of the market that, you know, formal football. And you're like, oh my God, hey, is that what I wore to the interview? And I'm like, is that what I said? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really tough. An interview's not easy as it is, but I yeah. think when you're told to prepare stuff that isn't factual and is personal it's interpretive mm. or it is like asking for your own resources yeah and um, it's a lot especially when the money is low yeah I for that my last role um in preparation for my first interview this was the first <laughs> I obviously was working on this project as mentioned and I had my buyer friend help me But I also went into the store because Mm -hmm. from my understanding of preparing for jobs, it's like you go on the website, you check what the collection is, you see what like... Can you tell us what we do? (laughs) Can you tell us what we do here? We sell stuff. Um, And someone, I came from retail. Um, Yes, I'd been working an allocation job, but previous to that, I came from retail. And knowing... I mean, even in my allocation job, we used to do trips to the flagship store. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was only around the corner. 
but going inside to the flagship store to see how visual merchandise had styled things, how mm-hmm. it was presented, um, the position consumer of... Consumer experience. Consumer experience, but also if you have a collection at the front of the store or in an area of high traffic, that is going to affect sales. So I thought to myself, I'm going to go into the store. <laughs> it was in Sloan Square. And see what the customer experience is like, how things yeah. are laid out, what the current collection is. And I actually, I managed to like spend some time with one of the sales associates and get like a, a real lowdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told her I was interviewing and she was really helpful. Um, and to get that experience. And that was like me after That's work. That's time. Yeah, after work, um, spent like two hours probably more than that like going into the store being there for an hour going home prepping for the stuff mm. and bearing in mind you've mentioned this a lot at the time I really wanted this job so I was going to do anything to get this job and so for me it was like a good trade-off the potential of getting this job was worth the time and the effort mm-hmm. um yeah and it ended poorly <laughs> for but me this but is the tough thing of sitting out it's of it. like then you're suddenly like why was I slogging my guts out like a job? But remember, as you were saying, yes. it's like, it's fashion. Everyone wants this yeah. job. Everyone and wants everyone, to be a buyer yeah. at like one of the world's best menswear yeah. brands. And also like the game as well. It would be like, they, I would be being told like, oh, you know. It's like, it's probably one. Is that what they were saying to you? Yeah, of course. Like they would explicitly in the interview say, yeah we we obviously have a few other candidates oh oh like that that's typical though Um, I would ask I know I asked that question it's so terrifying I think I feel a little bit more empowered now but when you're sort of and I think it's so personal right presenting designs you sort of they're like tell me what you think (laughs) I go easy on me I think that's so personal and also I didn't have that you haven't worked there so you don't know what their no-nos are you don't know like oh, we tried that and that bag has failed for us. You don't know any of it. Yeah. And also, like, one of the brands I went for was a little bit, like, kitschy. And I... Was it Kathy Kidson? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But it's like, they had a playfulness to them. But everyone's got a level of how much they think playful takes too far. Okay. And so it was kind of like, is this, is this the, like, tongue-in-cheek thing you like? Yeah. And it's like, but also I'm trying to not, like... um like imitate what you already do but just another iteration i'm trying to like really think outside of the box with you you're trying to bring something new to their organization that's the point of an interview but it's like it's so daunting um and all of that stuff whereas actually the last brand i worked for they were very chic wasn't my style but like i kind of knew the boxes to tick it was elegant it was like elevated like Mm. i knew kind of how elevated or elegant (laughs) No, but, like, that's not really – I wouldn't wear the bags that I was designing. Yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. But, like, I kind of knew, like, the boxes to tick or what would, like, engage them a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think it is far more personal when you are <sighs> designing something from the top of your head. Oh. Obviously, it's inspired by what you've seen and whatnot. But to present designs that you've created is completely different to what I had to experience. Mine was, like – does this make logical sense mm. from a sales perspective? Am I just making up things? Um, but yours is like wearing your heart on your sleeve in the interview. Yeah. 
and and it's not easy but also so like we touched on it or like implied it a little bit earlier but the issue also is with then intellectual property with these designs yes and similarly with work if you provided SWOT analysis or you provided some business plans for people they can take your work and they can use that Mm. if you had a really good idea for how they can kind of like reinvent stuff or bring something into the store yeah people can use these ideas it's not it's obviously not trademarked to you there's no intellectual property fun fact i did my dissertation on intellectual property and fashion design yeah there isn't any really (laughs) um but yeah so i had actually a really good friend um who applied for a company that i actually did a project for Mm -hmm. and they essentially just totally ripped off her entire project Mm. it wasn't even like politely nodding to it it was quite literally like these are my designs we and see. there's no protection there there is and because there actually is no intellectual property protection in fashion mm. it is really hard to protect your designs but also like i guess in essence there's probably a fine print not even that you've signed a contract for this company but like any works of somebody else for us is not actually theirs as well but the thing is is like little old you who own who earns 25k let's say mm. who wants this job um there is no way that you can come up against an internationally known fashion brand that has a couple lawyers mm. on their roster you know retained throughout the and year also, you're only for... only 25 grand right so if they just went we'll pay you 500 pa- i mean not yeah they said we'll give you a thousand we'll pounds, give you a thousand pounds you shut up like you're gonna take that maybe, there's a lot of people who... they also don't even need to do that they can just they're intimidating enough to not it's very easily to be easy to be silenced or bullied or just feel like were you silent or were you silenced (laughs) (laughs) that should be our new slogan oh my god i love it it's true you're gonna think to yourself i don't have the intellectual knowledge to understand my rights Mm. to know where to apply to afford to be able to get a lawyer who can fight my case that like I interviewed for you guys this is what I showed at the time of my interview and then you've gone on to directly rip me off there's a lot and when we see stories like this come on social media or and we've seen a lot of them in the past few years of people who have interviewed for fashion brands and they've been ripped off their designs have been taken and they've not even been offered any job um and they don't receive any compensation or anything like that you see in the comment sections of like oh you know you should fight this and blah 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 blah. and yes 100 i believe that you should get what is due and owed to you and these multi like these conglomerate multi-million billion pound companies shouldn't get away with it but at the same time you're a regular person with regular money and life goes on you're like well and also if you actually still want to remain in fashion it's a really small industry Mm. do you want to be the girl that sued um Kath Kitson like do you want to be the girl that sues Dior but you want a job at Chanel and Chanel are going to hear about it like it it becomes really tricky um but yeah and also like again similar to just a lot of the qualms and issues I have with fashion is it's just generally accepted like interning free labor the culture the attitude the low pay the long hours all of that crap 
is generally accepted by people until you dig a bit deeper and you go and you people be like yeah I don't really like it Mm. but everyone accepts it and this is just a part of fashion it's just how it is yeah um doesn't mean it's okay really doesn't mean it's okay but yeah I don't see anytime soon how the issue of retaining your intellectual property in an interview process can really be enforced or defended I don't see how those things will improve over time if I'm honest because even even these big brands are ripping off other big brands this is the thing and this and this is why I wrote my dissertation on it because you quite literally will see brands copy stuff I mean there was an issue that I put in my dissertation where YSL did a theme of all over color shoes so quite literally, if it was a yellow shoe, the sole was yellow, the outie was yellow. Oh, okay. But equally, they did a red shoe. Oh. So the sole was red. Yeah. And that is trademarked by Louis... Uh, Christian Louboutin. Christian Louboutin. But a trademark is like... It's it's a really fine-tuned thing. It's also like the aesthetic. It's that kind of a thing. Yeah. But also, I got to the bones of the fact that like... Christian Louboutin's red soul is not, he's not the first person who did a red soul. Yeah. It was actually something that happened in Louis the Sun King's time in the French Revolution. Oh, okay. So, like, some of the French royalty had red soled shoes. Okay. And so, like, so was that Christian Louboutin ripping off somebody else? I'm sure that's probably not the first we actually have heard of a red soul, like, but it's been the first documented thing of a red yeah. soul. Whoever gets to pay for the, the it's trademark an idea. first. And this is the issue with fashion is that like who gets like you can't tr- like you can't trademark or you can't have intellectual property on a t-shirt. Mm. Like it's too generic. There's only so many things you could like there that can exist. Mm. Um, so like and a color is you can't trademark essentially a color because there's only so many colors that exist. Um, so placement and whatever you can a bit. But we might need an episode about like yeah. tone because Maybe. I want to understand their whole business model and yeah don't and how they've it. become some sort of like tastemaker how, really how is that a thing I don't even Color know yeah um but it's really really tricky so like I can imagine turning up to an interview process and me going like here's my CV but also please sign this and yes. actually like good for fucking you if you do that I'd like feel really empowered maybe to do that now and be like sorry this is just a document to say like you've seen my designs but you won't use them yes and I would be interested to know and how their reaction is. would probably not go down great no it, not at your level but I, mean, I would like be... influencer stuff it'd be like Tommy Fury not signing the document from Jake Paul <laughs> I'd be, I'd be interested to see what the interview process is like for someone who's coming in at creative director level. You know, like these really big names or not even big name designers, but designers who we've not heard of before who step into those big roles mm. and go through, obviously they have very rigorous processes of and rounds to demonstrate that they are capable of taking on like the top job. Um, but also they I'm sure are designing and presenting whole collections Mm. whole visions for the brand and I would like to know you know do they come in with with their solicitor with a document I I guess it's I guess it's like anything in life right the higher up you are the more respect you probably govern 
um, and the louder the noise would be and the ripple would be if you say, that's my design. But not necessarily. You can come out as, you can come up as a no-name yeah, nobody. Like, for example, the recent appointment of, um, I can't remember his name at the moment, but the new Salvatore Ferragamo creative director, he's this young guy, British, and I um, I don't know him to be creative mm. director of any other big brand. So to me, he's new. And to a lot of other people, he's quite new. Yeah. Um, so he's he not on the same level. Us, you wouldn't really... He's not Mark Jacobs moving around to a different brand. Yeah. You know, it's like if he kicked off, I'm sure, yeah, we'd hear about it, it you know, in like Diet Prada. And then the next week we've completely forgotten about it unless he's taking it to court and like taking it the whole way. Yeah, it's it's a real problem. And I think this is kind of like it. It, the beautiful thing and like don't get us wrong like I love fashion I still really respect it yeah and that's part of the beauty of fashion right is that it feels untouchable sometimes yeah it feels like oh my god that's so distant that's so expensive that's so lavish that's so beautiful oh my god like who could own that mm-hmm. there's just so many like fantastical things about it yeah but also it's untouchable in the wrong sense too it's untouchable in, yes. the, in the way that it seems like no one can stop it's current like cycle that it's in um mm. with these sort of things i mean again like i'm out of it so i projects are always going to be there yeah of course um because also you do kind of need like a portfolio doesn't give you enough imagine you've designed for like moschino and missoni and then you're applying to be like celine yeah it's that portfolio vibe. is not going to show you if you can design successfully for Celine or Bottega. So yeah. you do need to get somebody to do it. I believe in that. But there needs to be some protection. And, and the same, like, imagine someone comes in with a fucking insane business idea, right? Imagine, like, someone walks into Bottega and, like, you know what you should do? A woven pouch. Like, obviously, what yeah, yeah. became, like, a huge... Or, like... Or when they're like got their huge pouch going on and they just go, you know what you should do? Weaving. But you know what they should do? They should hire the person. Pay the person. Yeah. You know, you don't have to pay them directly for that particular idea. But you say, you are clearly talented. Commission. We want you to expand <laughs> on that idea. Yeah. Come work for us. Yeah. Um, Correct, actually. Like, yeah, if I wasn't good enough to work for you, why was my idea so good that you stole it? That's the thing. Um, But in all, I think that in my experience, I've definitely interviewed my ass off for um, different roles in fashion. Obviously, the more the higher you the more desirable the job role is, the harder the interview process is. Um, But it will always come down to the fact that, you know, you end up working long hours, very little pay. um, And there's a lot of preparation that goes into it a lot of work um and again like we're not super familiar with other industries to know if that's part and parcel I think there are probably different rounds and maybe sometimes some work in my current role I did have to do like an in-interview test and a project yeah so I know that that is common but I also get paid more like let's not it's (laughs) it's, it's incomparable to what I was expecting a yeah you're climbing up the ladder so it made it feels better but also it wasn't eating into your personal time 
which I was, which is a huge thing. Well, to be honest, you know what? <laughs> God, here we go. <laughs> you know how you were saying that you you prepared your projects for that your last role in fashion. You prepared the project yeah, at whilst yeah. um, at a different job. Well, my current role is not in fashion, but luckily my like last contract was winding down big time. Yeah. I had a lot of time on my yeah. hands, and I was you know preparing. I was preparing on their time, yeah. of course. Um, you got to work smart and not hard. Correct, but yeah. <laughs> but when you're working a really long hour fashion job which of course fortunately you weren't also at the time how are you meant to yeah but I think in all like the fashion industry is an in it's an interesting one we've been out of it for a little while so we don't know what it's like now but to be honest it's probably the same I doubt that anything has changed yeah um but yeah, hopefully this episode was insightful and helpful to any of you who are interested in joining the fashion industry. Um, and let us know what your thoughts are on what you know what your experience has been and if projects, all of that. Also, yeah, if you're if you're new to fashion, don't be scared, just be prepared. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Get up on a t-shirt. <laughs> Well, anyway, thanks for listening to the latest episode of our podcast. As always, um, follow us on YouTube, on podcast listening platforms, TikTok, Instagram, or email us if you have suggestions for our next topic at styleoversubstancepodcast at gmail.com. And we'll get back to you and we might even do the episode here. So, yeah, thanks for listening and we'll see you next Tuesday as well. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.